0: Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow,
1: and can even make life better.
0: We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Sure, you can hear. This obviously sounds very different. As we said last time, this is an on-the-road podcast. We are not in the studio because we are actually just arrived in the Seattle area. I can't believe it. We've
1: just completed
0: a huge road trip—the
1: first road trip with our cars. Of the past, mm-hmm. the three hundred ZX and the nine twenty-eight, and we've got a lot of questions about those. We're going to yeah. cover a pretty interesting topic Tuesday. But welcome back to the podcast, guys. We feel like you're with us because of all the comments Mm -hmm. on social media saying, hey, I wish I could see you guys, and we're sorry that we can't because we're in shoot mode and we're just trying to get stuff done. We wish we could be (laughs) relaxed. We wish we could come see everybody and say hi along the way, but sometimes it's just... Production needs to happen, and in this case, miles needed to pass under our tires. That was the key.
0: Yeah, that was the big key. We posted the picture from the Golden Gate Bridge, which was our start. But what's funny is, many of you asked actually about us being there. We just went just to the Golden Gate Bridge and shot and had to get on the road. We went all the way up the coast. (laughs) did over 1,000 miles in those cars in just a few days. So we were constantly in motions like stop, eat, eat, sleep, drive. It was really awesome. I can't wait to share it all with you. Eat,
1: sleep, drive. That was exactly it. So, yes, that was uh, the road trip. We are in the Seattle area now recording this, and we're thrilled to share this as a TV episode. It will come out on YouTube as well for mm-hmm. Cars of the Past, and then it will yep. be a two-part TV episode for Season 10. By the way, Amazon Season 9 is now out on Amazon Prime. Yes, it is. It is available. We hope you see that, and please leave us a rating and a review if you would. Yeah. If, uh, if that strikes you and you have the time and ability, we would love to hear from you about that. And it keeps our ratings high on, uh, on Amazon as well. For sure. We've got a cool topic Tuesday, guys, from Ben C., who asks, What makes a good car? We've covered this topic. <laughs> How long do we
0: have? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah. We've covered this topic in various forms over the years, you know, as far as our opinions and, you know, touching on this in general. But Ben asks... About specific cars, manufacturers, segments like hot hatches and sports sedans, what makes a good car in that segment? Mm. Now, we have covered back in January of 2020, we covered best cars from each manufacturer. We did, yes. But we didn't talk broad segments. And you mm-hmm. say, you know, Ben, name segments, talk about different cars in different price brackets as well. Absolutely, because everybody, of course, has an opinion. And, Ben, if you can be open to hearing of, about a car, and I, I don't just direct this at you, Ben. I direct it at the public. Yeah. If yeah. you can be open to hearing about a car without turning up your nose at Hyundais and Kias and Genesis and brands that you formerly thought were non-starters. I, mm-hmm. I just don't get that brand. I don't understand it. It doesn't resonate. I've never liked the styling. And then some model comes along, That's really good. Mm, And it's hard mm. to stomach it. It's hard to let yourself like it. And that's what's so amazing. Because we'll say a comment on, uh, you know, anything released on YouTube, television. And the following YouTube comments will indicate a lack of germane knowledge to the reality of this car, understanding that yeah. indeed this car is really good. No, that can't possibly be. A V eight will always beat a four cylinder. Are you kidding me? You can't choose a four cylinder. No way. Well, actually, it's a good car. What you know, whatever it is, Can yeah, or, for yeah. C8 because
0: it's that brand, it couldn't possibly lose or it couldn't possibly win or you can't whatever. choose anything yeah. but a V eight. Well, yeah.
1: I like V eights too. I like them a lot. But there's other compelling engines, too. Yeah. So let's dive into this. And I feel like, Ben, when manufacturers are taking care of my needs and my desires. And by saying me, I mean the buying public, the customer.
0: Sure. Okay. All right.
1: Rather than just building a car that fits a market segment is just selling a car to make money. And like a platform exercise, Volkswagen, to milk it. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. That fine line between mm-hmm. making something great, which means, wow, you, you entire design staff took your families into the design studio mm-hmm. and said, let's play. Let's figure out what yeah, matters yeah. most to us. Or I've heard so many times from my family or you know my own empirical experience that I, we have to have this feature in it at this price point. Versus a company making something and building on a platform that gives them an entry into a particular segment. Cars, SUVs, pickup mm, trucks. Mm. Well, now we can play too because we've got a, something to offer the public in that segment. Well, it's not very good. It's <laughs> you, built on an alternate platform. Yeah. And you put some cool styling or maybe not cool styling on a platform. And you figured it out, and you put an engine in there, and, oh, all your competitors kick it right in the teeth, but Mm. sure, you've got something in the segment. Good job.
0: Mm -hmm. Well done. I actually broke this down by a few actual segments. I I realized this could get lengthy. It certainly could. So here's the segments I picked, and I'm going to explain them as we go through, but I did sports cars. A segment I have I have coined as sports muscle, and I will explain what I mean by that. Mm, okay. Sedans and what an actual SUV segment should be. Okay. And I've all given right. examples to all of those. There all are right. things I've obviously missed. There are, there are ones that blur the line between segments, but I feel like all of these kind of cars should be offered. And I tried to explain what each of those categories are and what they should be. And I'll just I'll run with hot hatches real quick, and then I'll toss it back to you, Paul. And that is a hot hatch. What is a hot hatch? Well, it needs to have mid-range power that's frantic, the power mm. you use in traffic, the power you use on an autocross track, that that middle of the power band, let's say 2,500 to 5,500 RPM, it just needs to feel like that engine's just ready to go. It's, it's frantic. It's like a scalded animal kind of engine mm. feel. Energy. That, there's that, excitement. Exactly. Yeah. It just feels light as a result. It needs to have darty turn-in, a small car rotation. When you turn it, it should feel like the front wheel's because, again, it's a front-wheel-drive car. The front wheels have all of the grip, and their back end might just spin around the front. Like the front right. picked a direction, and the back is like, what are we doing? What's going on? It should feel like it's going to have rotation. Right. The wheel lift, sometimes you get the tripod effect on a, on a hot hatch. That's a bonus. That's not a requirement. <laughs> but, but that is the result of what I'm yeah. saying. That extreme rotation that the car does sometimes kicks a wheel up. The best way I can think of to describe a hot hatch, a good hot hatch, is it is the car equivalent of a puppy, it just it okay. wants to please it's super darty and caffeinated and and accessible and just it wants to be your friend and it and it's just frantic in a great endearing way that's what a good hot hatch is three I examples like i can give you and again none of my examples are going to be definitive this is the only thing on the list but three i can definitely think of that match all these requirements the fiesta st the veloster n and the mini John Cooper Works. Current hmm. Mini in general, but the John Cooper Works for sure. And then one we don't get here that I also know is in this category is the Renault Megane. Yeah, Those are all right. superb hot hatches. Really, right. really good in that segment.
1: That's excellent. I like that you broke it down by my segment. But I keep coming back to the, the generality of your question about things that make a car great, make mm-hmm. an SUV mm-hmm. great. When a car company forges their own path and they come up with some vehicle that they had never been known for. Or they made the car that everybody suddenly wants, mm. and you you know pre-orders are such a great indication of I, you know I, everything that I've read about that I just have to have it I'm super intrigued. There's also the well I'll just throw my hat in the ring and if I like it maybe and if I trust drive it I'll just let my order go and you know that's fine. But
0: maybe I can get one before my neighbors do then I'll get bored with it. Certainly,
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> certainly. Well, Ford is knee-deep into both good and bad of this. Mm-hmm. And I say good because they've resurrected the Maverick name. They had to wait decades before you cleared out the old Maverick. Remember the old Maverick? It mm-hmm. wasn't a truck. True. It was good a point. nasty car. <laughs> nasty looking, nasty build. It was nasty. And then now everybody's like, Maverick. Yeah, we got to have a Maverick. Good point. Or the Bronco. Was the Bronco ever really like, Man, this is the most versatile, best driving, best built. It was cool. It was cool. Off-roader. Yeah. Kind of rattly. But now, the Bronco. Everybody must have a Bronco. Mm. I need a Bronco. It's mm-hmm. the coolest mm-hmm. thing ever. But they've also done the opposite with the Mustang Mach-E. Yeah. They've touched a nerve. They've poked it. It's a raw yeah, nerve they with really every have. Mustang yeah, owner For sure. Ever, yep. So, yep. ooh, just by virtue of the name, you guys might have messed up. I'm skeptical of Ford now. (laughs) So they've done kind of both. How about a toothbrush? When was the last time you bought an inexpensive toothbrush or some inexpensive item that surprised you and you thought, wow, well, good design can be down at this low level too. This already thought about this for Mm -hmm. me. That's really great. So that is the bottom of the price point, we'll say. Sure, sure. But still, good design and good materials can be really the differentiator. Kias are such a great example, and we keep talking about Kias and Hyundai's and Genesis. Mm-hmm. Wow, they've really put some effort in. Versus, I hate to say it, I keep coming back to Volkswagen. Okay, it feels like the Taos is such a. We've got an entry into this little, you know, mm-hmm. arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they discontinued the Toreg, of course. The Tiguan is still around at this point, but we need something new, and and it's all tied to marketing. Have you yeah. noticed that? Yeah. So, Ben, the cars that are super tied to great marketing campaigns, I'm skeptical of. Mm, because the cars that aren't tied to, you know, it's just sort of, like, here it is, and the people that know it, and it speaks for itself, and it's really good. Wow, they, they don't have to do much, because we know it's good. We know you're going to come our way. You're going to flock over mm, here. You're mm. going gonna to buy it. The Bronco's good. We don't really have to tell you much about it, because... You know it's good, you know. Whereas That's that house, good. it's got you know, legions of young people flipping and dancing and smiling and coolness and all the latest hashtags and blah blah blah. Like what about the car? Is the car any good? I know your party is good. That party an looks really good. Point
0: because you're reminding me of the last time Dodge released the Dart. remember this? It's been yeah. five or six years now. Yeah. The marketing for the Dart, the T V commercial specifically, was one of the best wow, I'm excited to be a driver, and I'm excited for great cars commercials I've seen (laughs) in a long, long time. And I remember seeing the commercial and being like, one of their cars better than it appears on paper, and then we drove it, and no, it wasn't. And it was gone (laughs) in like two years. Yep. yep. But the marketing for it was, that's interesting, Paul, because that is superb. The marketing for that one absolutely speaks to your point. It's like the opposite effect. (laughs) You know, the cars that, I've never
1: actually seen an ad campaign for Whatever car, but I know it's amazing. I totally want one. Mm, I can't afford point. it because yeah. it's either out of my price range or yeah. it's just not you know, what I need right now in my life or mm-hmm. something like that. But then there's the cars that come along and you think, I see the marketing campaign everywhere. Yeah. You know it's a turd. You
0: know it's bad. Interesting. Okay. All right. All right. I, I, I think the only exception I can think of to that was I remember... Alpha was so excited about the Julia. it was everywhere, and it actually, thankfully, is a really good car. Yes. But yes. I also feel like Alpha, on that, it felt like a celebration. It's like, we have a good one. <laughs> we have a, to tell we're you. We're back in the, in <laughs> exactly. North America. Have
1: you heard? It's really you know, good. B, we've got a good car. You yeah. need to know that. That's sure. a
0: great point. That's a really There's good exceptions point. to every rule, No no, no' I, I'm but just, it's, I'm just thinking it's a broad about it, generality. That's the only exception I can even think of because generally you're right. I feel like the more marketing, the less there's substance back there when it comes to cars. I took sweeping generalities 101 in college. Good. Hey, that's that's definitely a freshman level course. I want to talk about two more segments real quick and how they relate. That's the sports cars and what I'm calling sports muscle because there used to be sports cars and GT cars. Mm-hmm. but there's, a, there's cars that I don't feel like fit very well in either one of those categories, and so I'm creating a, a market right now called sports muscle. Who knows if that sticks? But a sports car, an actual sports car, needs to be <laughs> rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, and lightweight. Yeah, yeah. It should have power you have to work for. In an actual sports car, I don't want to feel like, wow, this is powerful. I don't want to feel like, Oh, oh there! Oh, there it is! I want to feel like you got to kind of earn it. things are right. out That's where that manual transmission comes <laughs> from. But and the steering has to give you an actual sense of the wheels, not yes, just yes. not just that. Then is happening a lot with digital steering right now, electric steering right now. There's there's reasons people do electric assist. It's mainly because you can do you know lane keep and all this kind of stuff with electric assist. But it, a lot of times the the difficulty of the steering sense BMW is a major culprit here. Is just programmed. You change it to sport or whatever, the wheel gets heavier. It doesn't doesn't feel like it's connected to anything else. It's just Mm -hmm. you made it harder for me to work with. The steering, it can be no assist. It can be hydraulic assist. It can be electric assist. But I just want to have a sense of where the wheels are when I made a move. And also, the car should take mid-corner corrections very, very well. You make a a small correction in the middle of a corner, the car just follows. It's the difference between... Dancing with someone who knows how to dance and dancing with someone you're having to instruct as you go. This is a dance partner. Mm -hmm. Okay, So lightweight. And the MX-5, the GR86, and the Boxster are my three major standouts in that area. All of those are under 3,000-pound cars, and they fit every one of those categories. That's sports cars. So now you're asking, well, hang on. What about Mustang? Mm-hmm. Which is excellent mm-hmm. right now. What about the Camaro? Also excellent right now. What about sure. the 911? What about the Mercedes GT? I'm putting those as sports muscle cars. <laughs> because they're not just old. The old muscle car was, listen to the V8 growl while I, while I beat you from the light. We're a long way from that. Oh, yeah. Sports muscle cars can be all-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive. They have to be powerful. They're not just a little lightweight sports cars. They have to be powerful. Because they typically also weigh more. But they have to hold their weight well in corners. And as you corner them you keep being surprised with how confident they make you. Think about the cars I listed, Mustang, Camaro, 911, and Merc GT. All of those are that way. Mm-hmm. The farther you push, the more you're like, this thing just grips. This is confidence-inspiring. So the power delivery is paramount. Dual-clutch or manual are fine, but there's a surge when you hit the gas. You could be in the car all day driving cross-country, or you could take it to your track. Mm-hmm. This is a mm-hmm. weird, non-just-GT car category. So I'm saying it's, it's, it's sports muscle And those are my four standouts. That's good. Where do you put the C8 Corvette? Same kind of category? I think it would be sports muscle as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a great example of a car that there's half the universe says, that's not a real Corvette. Mm -hmm. The other half is going tap, tap. By the way... There's probably about 15 mid-engine Corvette prototypes over the years that were proposed. Actually, one of the first proposals for a Corvette was mid-engine. Yep. So if you really want to be true to the roots, it actually very much is closer than any Corvette ever has been.
0: You just aren't aware of this. The, yeah, the end of Gen 1 they were already talking about. Let's go mid-engine. And that was the 50s. <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: But then we got in. We think, okay, you know, interesting. It's aggressive, wide, mm-hmm. mid-engine, new platform. Okay, wow, this feels well screwed together. Mm-hmm. That function feels well thought through. I like the interaction. I like the seating position. Wow, there's some yeah, thinking yeah. behind this. That starts to make it a standout. So let's talk about medium-sized SUVs. Rovers feel like a fashion item. Mm-hmm. I feel patronized when I get into a disco. <laughs> I'm sure it's good. I hope it's good. But the rivets and the exposed screw heads and the, you know, it, it's just right in there with the patronizing of the materials that mm-hmm. make you feel like you're in the old school. Yet, I didn't need that. I'd be fine with a perfectly modern interior. But that kind of stuff does sell.
0: Mm, it does, yeah.
1: Versus a Kia Sorento. I didn't know that I needed that textured aluminum material <laughs> that, in the diamond quilted pattern. I, That's really nice. That hits my eye. The light. I didn't know I liked it so much. Well, fantastic. I didn't know that I needed textiles, a new weave <laughs> of textile. Well, <laughs> well done. So if is the functionality better than expected? Is it roomier on the inside than it appears? Does it drive better than expected? Mm-hmm. Do you come away feeling like you you scored, like you put one over on the car company? Like Mazda. They gave me this. Yeah. I, I scored. They gave me this great luxury car. Guess what I paid? Much less than you thought. That surprise is such a huge factor mm-hmm. in good cars. Absolutely mm-hmm. it is. There is one particular SUV. It's the Chevy Blazer. Okay. That is in the middle ground, because you and I thought, oh, hum,
0: mm-hmm. oh,
1: no. Yeah. Ford's coming out with the Bronco. It has old Bronco flavor. Where's the K5 Blazer mm-hmm. equivalent yeah, yeah, Chevy? Yeah. And they came out with this SUV. Looks mm-hmm. like an SUV. Mm-hmm. It's got a pretty big grill, so it looks Camaro-esque. Huh. Well, there's some nice features. Well, this is cool. As an SUV, we like it. As a Blazer, no go. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're, they're trying to use that resurrect the name from the past to make you feel like, yeah, Blazer. Yeah. It's not a Blazer in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> As an SUV, it's
0: kind of good. Watch our test drive of it. You will hear Paul do this for the entire time <laughs> where he is so torn. You'd have a complete Conflicted. Jekyll and Hyde experience there, yeah.
1: I, the Nissan Rogue is another good one. Mm. You've looked at rogues forever. You've seen them forever. You probably haven't seen them because they're so ignorable. Yeah. And now the new one comes out and it feels wow, this feels well thought through. This has some personality. This really feels like Nissan. Somebody did something cool with it. Well, that's cool look, the rear doors open wider than any SUV you've ever tried to sit in. Well, (laughs) that's really nice. Mm -hmm. Cool feature, well thought through. So there are those standouts and it's those little things that start to push you as the consumer past just, here's another one in the segment. It's tough to differentiate. You have to spend time Mm -hmm. with the car and the truck and the SUV to really get a sense. And sometimes test drives won't cut it you need to take it home you need to convince that salesperson to let you take it home overnight and really yeah. you know pour over it and really you know you might discover things that you never never knew we've had vehicles we've had for almost a week and then we discover some feature and go oh, really it does that where's
0: that been all week this, yeah oh it's, yeah, yeah. it's got
1: sport plus or something like that mm-hmm. so it takes time to dive into that but when there's a consensus among not just journalists but also the buying public that is magnified by pre-orders, that says a lot. It does. It's not just the name. It's not just the hotness. And that's what I keep coming back to, Ben, is the thought of what makes a car be in such high demand or price gouging markup. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, You know, it's the newest, hottest thing. Everybody must have insert cool new car here. And it changes. Have you noticed? Mm Mm-hmm. And dealers are very welcome to take advantage yeah, they
0: of that, are, sadly. Yeah. but
1: it, it changes very quickly. Civic type Rs were the hotness, then well Mustang GT350s before that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Civic type Rs, then C8 Corvettes. you know, it just it's this cycle, yeah. and it's just the new hotness. Now all of those cars are perfectly good, new or used, but there's always that new hotness that makes you think you're missing out. Good cars remain good, doesn't matter the year they're built, doesn't matter. Right. we are
0: absolutely right. We're living that right now with these we cars of the past. Are. We absolutely are. We're living cars that were good when they were new, and guess what? They're still good. I'm going to run through these last two categories for me, and you'll notice I did not do a CUV category, because first off, the market is flooded with them to the point you made earlier, Paul. Everybody's going, we need to have two more entrants into that segment. Please stop. And they are yeah, they, are, they are terrible blending Of other categories to make a category that kind of shouldn't exist, but that's what everybody's buying. So a sedan, a good sedan, should be rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive with uncorrupted steering. A big four-door with power to meet any moment. A good sedan, a good sports sedan, you're sitting in the right lane and there's a tiny little gap in the left before the 18-wheeler comes and you can make that gap. You just... (laughs) You're just over there. You just kind of like, oh, I've New got Genesis G seventy. Yes, Genesis old Genesis G seventy. Yes, for sure. It's got enough power that anytime you need power, it's got you. It's totally got you. Doesn't feel like you had to work it, and you just you're over there now. Luxury appointments, meaning good seats, good tech, good space. I want to be able to drive this cross country, but then a key thing to a really good sedan is when the road gets tight, the car gets smaller. Mm. It feels, I mean, a minute ago you were down the freeway and it was luxurious and you were thinking about all the space you have and look, I've got everything I ever needed luxurious and then this got tight and I'm thrilled because I didn't know the thing was this small. Great examples of this are the BMW M3, the Genesis G70 is a good one, the Chevy SS and the Porsche Panamera. All of those Mm -hmm. meet what I'm talking about. They do it very well. I'm going to jump to SUVs. If you're going to get an SUV... There's not a CUV, an SUV. Get a Suburban? <laughs> you want imposing design. It just needs okay. to feel like, I here I am, get out of my way. Just sitting still, it needs to feel that way. The Escalade does that. It does. It's on my list. It needs to have a command-like seating position. You're up here. All the plebeians are down there. I <laughs> rule the world. It needs to, to drive like a wall of power and noise. Mm. Now, those things typically, the big ones are 6,000 pounds. You don't know when you put your foot in it. We've had a, few, we had a Tahoe not that long ago that had the base engine, and we kept thinking we like this, but it's not nearly powerful enough. It had good power. It had good towing power, but it didn't have power where you're just like, yeah. You just need to have <laughs> yeah, that impressive yeah. wall of power and noise in a good SUV with a ton of space and comfort for you and the family to go cross-country. My two major standouts here, and there are lesser ones, but my two major standouts are the current Escalade and the current Mercedes GLS. That's what an SUV is. Totally. Yeah. Everybody uh-huh. else is not in the SUV category. There's some weird blending. They're tall cars. They are tall cars. This is, this is, these are my categories that struck me when I was talking about defined good cars. There's a lot of others here, but that's my list.
1: I reserve the right for future electric vehicles to be redefined or redefine these kinds of classifications. Sure. Because... I, I hope. I know some manufacturers are going to come out with something that is electric, that will check all the boxes and be pff, terrible, and not mm-hmm. be fun to drive, not be really good. But man, did they make something! And there will be that converse. It might be the same company. Mm-hmm. Conversely, wow, they came out with this electric thing, and it is good. Yeah, it's a good price. It's good seating. It's good use of space. The power is good. The build quality is amazing. Good, good, good. That is going to happen. And so, no, doesn't have any noise. You yeah. know, it doesn't yeah. have the sound. Okay.
0: The Model S would make a great sedan in my sedan category. It, it's The Model S I'm very impressed with. I've all, it I, is I still admittedly it, impressive. Still yeah. It's the best thing that Tesla makes. Yeah. It doesn't have a, really a luxurious interior, but it has their interior, which is their thing. So. It has a phone but interior. That's a, but that's a great... Uh, uh, entrance into that category that happens to be electric for sure what I love is this is completely open
1: it's still open for every new car that comes our way and I say our way I mean everybody you Mm -hmm. know new manufacturers or manufacturers trying to come up with new things not just to take your money but to have you invest in their brand and become a part of that brand become a part of them I'm a I'm an Audi guy. I'm yeah, a, yeah. You know, I'm really into what Ford is doing. I love, you know, name, name your, your thing. Sure. That's what, that's what good car companies do when they come up with products and continually do it to make you part of the team where you get the
0: tattoo. If you park outside during cold months overnight at home or at work, you need a car cover from Covercraft. We specifically recommend the custom
1: Weather Shield HP Car Cover. It's designed for dramatic water dispersion while still being breathable and super lightweight. It's also got superior paint finish protection too. On the underside, it's
0: less abrasive than flannel. Our cars are an investment. From our personal fun cars and SUVs to our cheap sports cars, Covercraft is focused on protecting all of them. And whatever car, SUV, or truck you love, they want to protect that too.
1: Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, Remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com specifically for our audience. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you.
0: When we're on the road, we're never really sure about you guys giving us questions, and we always ask at weird times, and you show up for us like crazy. Thank you so much for doing that. Tons of great questions all over the map here. Uh, We're going to touch on a couple of things about meetups here. I know a couple of you guys have asked that, and I I did want to talk about that for a second. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast we were moving so quick on this. We saw the Golden Gate and then promptly kept driving. I mean, we were pretty much a shot exactly. we needed kept moving. So it really wasn't any way to meet with you guys uh, on this trip. But thank you for asking. Dustin Marshall has a non-car question for me. And he says, "If I ever enjoyed old-time radio programs from the 30s to the 60s? He said, I find it as interesting as movies. Dustin, I have heard quite a few. They are incredibly impressive. If you want to understand the power of what audio can do to help your brain paint the picture and fill in... You need to listen to, like, 30s radio programs. Mm. And the most famous, mm. the most famous, and if you've never heard it, you have to go find it. There's source sources very, very places. And that is the War of the Worlds that Orson Welles and his group did. This is before he went on to make the movie Citizen Kane. He was in his 20s. They did War of the Worlds, which is a, I mean, was a known book. It's not like they invented the storyline. Yeah. But they acted it out as if it was currently happening. And it scared people so much, and people thought it was so real. They were going out and taking the family rifle or shotgun and shooting at water towers because they thought those were aliens. Unbelievable. Water towers they'd seen before, by the way, folks. <laughs> lived, okay? lived near them, yeah. So, but if you listen to it, it's amazing because they cut around to, okay, we're going to cut to this guy on a bomber. We're going to cut this person out on location. It's all them standing around in a studio. But it's so convincing. It's, it's kind of magic. And part of you Hmm. listens and goes, why did people fall for this? Another part of you listens and just goes, if I had no TV and I had no internet and I listened to this, I don't even realize where the seams are. I don't even realize that I've been completely sucked in. It's really
1: cool. Well, speaking of, uh, and staying on the road trip, uh, what else do we have? Foods. The Reese says, what are our road trip essentials, foods, Mm -hmm. clothing, special gear to make hotel stays better? Does it have a bed and a pillow? Then I'm good. (laughs) What items do we each have to have? Road trip essentials. I I like to, I'm a bit of a planner as far as, you know, stocking up on food and drinks and snacks because I never know what will strike me. So I have, you know, jerky, I've got snack bars, I've got cereal, I've got pretzel pieces, I've got the the pretzels with the peanut butter in the middle, you know, (laughs) just so I can mindlessly mow those down as as I'm working through it. And, yeah, just various drinks. I like Gatorade. I like, you know, all the coconut water. I like just regular water, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, I like uh, <laughs> hotel rooms. I like just the road trip itself. I, mm-hmm. I I love, I'm mesmerized by the road sometimes. And maybe I'm eating and drinking nothing and listening to nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's enough.
0: It can be if the road is good. This trip has been very interesting because the, the nature of production, we, we always have to plan like crazy. We always have things planned pretty well. And even if there's sections of the day that are unplanned, we know the category of what's going on in that section, even if we don't know the minutia. Mm-hmm. This trip has been fascinating, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it because we, we had a we, what I will describe as bookends of a plan. Mm-hmm. We knew when mm-hmm. it was going to start approximately, and we were a few hours behind. We knew where we would end up in Seattle, and that literally, that was the plan. We had a four-day hole in the middle that was here's when it starts, here's when it's in, and where we stop each day, don't know. Where we're staying, don't know. Where we're eating, don't know. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that because typically when I'm road tripping, like when I road trip with my son this past summer, we did the Utah meetup, whatever, there's a plan, and there's nothing wrong with a plan. Especially <clears throat> if Sometimes got it's group. better to have a plan. It absolutely that's is a, great, sure. but this was so fascinating to do it without a plan and I actually am this, I've noticed this about myself, especially as we've been doing more road trips of late. I have a lot of trouble stopping at a roadside gas station and not buying something to eat. I've noticed this. But I have a real problem. Why is this? Well, but I also, I also don't want to pack in advance. I don't want stuff to melt. I don't want stuff to I just, I, I'm gonna. you know what? I'm thirsty now. I'll buy a bottle of water now. Okay. I, I, I'm hungry now. I'll buy that now. I I don't, that's one place where I'm just like rolling with the breeze. I'd walk in, I'm like, I didn't go to the bathroom. Oh, I didn't know they had M&M's in that flavor now. I absolutely (laughs) am that way and I'm not normally that way at all but on a road trip, I am that guy. I'm just like, oh, seriously, <laughs> on this funny. trip, I discovered two new kinds of candy bars that do not get made. I didn't actually buy them, both. I was like, oh my gosh, they have that now. So <laughs> now I'm on the lookout for those things. That <laughs> happens. Uh, Danny Hahn asks a similar question. He says, what do we do for, to listen to in long car rides? I am obsessed with audiobooks on long car drives. I love them. Now... That depends on the kind of drive. The drive we've been doing was scenery and production and fantastic corners, and there was no need to listen to anything. Or maybe put on some music as almost like background noise, but Mm -hmm. it was just about enjoying the road. But when I'm road tripping like we have distance today, I know myself well enough that I need to occupy my brain to not keep increasing the speed because hmm. I'm going 75 now, and in an hour I'm going 85, and in another hour I'm going 95, because I just get bored. The Z doesn't have cruise control? It does. It does, right? But I just keep getting bored at the speed I'm at, and I keep cranking it. Oh, up. Okay. That, I just okay. do that. I'm like, well, I can I go a little so faster. I can go a little <laughs> bit faster. Yeah, right. So yeah. that leads to terrible tickets. But if I've got a long drive, I try to get an audio book that is in similar length to the drive I'm going on. And you can look around and find something similar, and then you just settle back. And you're enjoying the story that's taking you where you need to go. And especially if you're doing like, okay, drive across Kansas or drive across West Texas. You need something to occupy the brain. <laughs> yeah. So I really, really love audiobooks for that. You also asked, do we have uh, uh, radios? Yes, when we do these road trips, like we all, had, we all had radios in the car. Paul and I each had one. And Chance and Edgar had one in the support vehicle. And there was a lot of radio chatter. But it's not constant radio chatter. It's what are we doing? Or, oh, did you see that fun billboard? Or that kind of stuff. But thankfully... None of us are the guys who are like, oh, i got to tell you guys a story for the next half hour on the radio. That doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, right. That doesn't happen. But there's a lot of random tidbits. There's a lot of random jokes that happen, and we enjoy that. Yeah, somebody's stupid at some point. Oh, you completely. Know,
1: read a roadside sign, and then you have a stupid thought and yes, that gets shared.
0: Then you have the, the ridiculous puns <laughs> typically thrown out by me. I mean, this is how it happens, for we, sure.
1: We've got those radios, Danny, that are made from mining and construction sites. Yeah. You know, like the big mines, heavy-duty equipment. They've got distance, yeah. They've got distance, and they're... Actually, pretty robust because we drop them off the roofs of the cars, or we just drop them constantly, and and so they're pretty good. We've invested in those, and so they're they're excellent for that. But yeah, I love classic rock. I love, yeah, funny enough, I love just the mindless EDM kinds of.
0: Do you, you know, really? <laughs> An hour from now, it's still doing exactly still, that. And I'm just zoned out, <laughs> thinking about everything else,
1: taking in the scenery. But I need a driving beat. I need <laughs> pun intended. I need yeah, you uh, just a you know a solid baseline, a driving beat behind, you know, just supporting because it just I, I, I
0: like that. That just makes the miles fly by for me. I've got two different questions that relate to the tops on cars. Waffalophagus says off of Twitter, how are you man? He says are the T-tops on my 300ZX leaking? That's question one. The second one is Steve Urban on Facebook. Hello, sir. He says, now that I've had an Elise with a Targa, a Z4 with a convertible, and a 300ZX with with T-tops, what do I prefer? Okay. Uh, first, Waffleophagus, the, um, the 300ZX, my top does not leak. You cannot see my air quotes because here is the standard thing. Uh, the good 300ZXs, the tops don't leak. <clears throat> they seep oh, enough water it. over time. Then they get the occasional drip at the actual A-pillar scene. It just, the, 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 it just seeps. <laughs> and so occasionally there's a drip of water. It's not like you're driving along and it's constant, but you're like, oh, look, there's another drip on my arm. Another few minutes, like, oh, look, another drip on my arm. So mine leak like the standard leak, but I would call it seeping because I'm giving it benefit of the doubt. My favorite top, I've been debating this. I, hmm. Oh, man, I actually think that T-tops are the worst, the worst of the three. Convertible and Targa are both fantastic. The problem with Targa, though, is where do you store the top? This is the brilliance of T-tops. is because it cracks in half. It's much easier to store a T-top in general than it is a Targa top. Now, places like the Corvette have done it really, really well. My Elise, I pulled the top off and I store it in my garage. So the 911 just folds it back. So does the Mazda Miata yes. RF. They yes, just it fold does. it back in its front. Pretty so, awesome. So the target. I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. The full convertibles are awesome. T-tops are really cool because of the fact that you can crack it in half. And, of course, the 300ZX and a lot of really iconic cars have it. But, frankly, it's a flawed top system. <laughs> All right. I love it.
1: Lots of questions to get through. We heard from Michael, Mike's steering column. He lent us the Blue Focus RS oh, for yeah. our four car comparison, that RS STI Mitsubishi Evo and Golf R comparison from, gosh, four years ago now, I while, think yeah. it is. Michael, how are you doing? Great to hear from you. He replaced the RS with a CTSV wagon and he was taking photos from that very parking lot on Friday, he says. Very cool. Lord Vader asks if we have gotten any closer to thinking if these cars stay or do they get passed on like the previous (laughs) cars. These are definitely, at least for me, they're staying for a while. I've got a lot invested in the 928 emotionally, financially. (laughs) There's still more that it's going to take from me, but it gave a lot back on this trip. Good. I'm glad. I'm really glad. a, a whole lot back to me. And what else uh, Kurt K. Photo says has pe- have people been noticing our cars which one has been taking the most compliments mm. Chance made an observation he says on this trip I haven't seen any cool cars oh wait we are the cool cars
0: yes we are
1: we haven't seen any Z's no 928's you rarely mi- see any of either
0: but we, but honestly with the exception of like a couple Mustangs and Camaros we've done like a thousand miles and seen almost nothing in the cool car department Yeah, I did actually see one Miata RF today and thought, oh my gosh, there's an That's a cool, cool car. That's a cool car, but a thousand miles, we just really didn't... Even the people that normally would rent the Camaros and Mustangs, they weren't around either. I did see today, I pointed it out to you, the most perfect, stereotypical, old man-spec Corvette. Oh, yes. It was a red convertible with very chrome wheels, like like, oh my eyes, bright chrome wheels. Mm, and a car bra on the front of a C6, mm. And he was sitting <coughs> so low in the car, I could barely see his head from chin up. And then he had a cap really low. And he, was, he must have been tiny because he was very low in the car. He pulled away from a light slowly. That was the <laughs> stereotypical Corvette. So that happened as well. But by and large, in 1,000 miles, we haven't seen much. And Chance's point is very valid.
1: Bradley J. 1983 asks of our, if our opinions of the cars have changed at all after spending long hours mm. in them many times back and forth <laughs> Good point. because of some new noise and i think i heard a, a screw leave the car i thought i heard it become unscrewed from my car and bounce on the pavement <laughs> under the car hit the car and it's way out the back and oh man you know i'm wild-eyed at that point going what but how what falls off next is the all right the engine's still running my car's still running i'm still moving forward things seem fine I guess I didn't need whatever just fell off my car. <laughs> it must not have been too vital. <laughs> Dang it. But That's on the terrible. other hand, then I, I marvel at the platform and I marvel at it for the time that it was mm-hmm. built. I think this is still relevant on some par- parts of the road. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, Bradley, is marveling at taking these cars out of their element. In yeah. many places, they're fish out of water mm-hmm. on these back roads. Mm-hmm. They're not designed for it, and here we are doing it. So it's, it's pretty fun. Lots of ob- observations like that on yeah. this trip.
0: Yeah, along those lines, Lawrence asked this question. He says he lives in northern New York, and they use a lot of salt on the roads. He can't bring himself to drive his sports cars through the salt. He garages them till spring. He admires us for putting winter tires on our classics, but aren't we worried about corrosion? Lawrence, I... Modern cars are less prone to be corroded by this stuff than older cars, but we're driving older cars. I will admit it has crossed my mind more since buying the Z than it has with any other car I've driven over the winter. It's definitely crossed my mind more. But then I I had this counterpoint, and that is anything fun that you want to do, any life experience you want to do, I guarantee you, I don't even know what it's going to be, but I guarantee you there are legitimate, sound, logical reasons to not do that fun thing. I don't care what it is. Whatever your fun thing you're considering, someone can come along with a really good reason for, no, no, you really (laughs) really shouldn't do that. It's usually involving money and time. Maybe, but but ultimately you're just living in fear of all the things that can go wrong. And this Mm -hmm. is true across Mm -hmm. the board. And so I just kind of had to embrace this with this car and just be like, you know what, it's probably not the best for it to drive it all winter. But I'm going to drive it all winter because it's a 300ZX, and I have it in my life again, and we're going to cover it, and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do everything I can to keep it. The underbody sprayed really well, and so stuff is cleaned out of there. But it's a car. It's meant to be driven. I'm going to drive it. I, mm, I don't want to be ruled by the fear of it, and so as a result, I'm driving it.
1: I'm glad to hear that. I'm doing my best to do that as well,
0: because my car's really dirty. Both cars are really They're dirty They're filthy right, right now. now, but that feels like we earned that on the road trip, for sure.
1: <laughs> Got a question here from my next car track daily crush. Why are you saying my next car, huh? huh? <laughs> Matt Gear 82 says, Mustang GT350, Jaguar F-Type R, or BMW M2 CS? Mm. Dang it. Well, I know I really like that M2 CS. It's really, really it's good. good. That's yeah. Stan, but that's the track car. Okay. And the GT350, as much as I like it, it's mm, it's large. It just feels large. And I like the F-Type R better, For I a think. daily, I can see For that. the daily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you're not going to track the GT350 of these, of these I options. I'd uh, track
1: okay. the M2 CS before i track Interesting. the GT350. Okay. I see where you are. All at. right. So I'm crushing the Mustang. There, wow, you, there you have that
0: was, that was painful for all <laughs> of us. I do see that for sure.
1: Peter Are You There says, how are those all-weather tires performing? They are provided by Nokian. They're WRG4s. Mm-hmm. And we put them on both our cars. So we have the same tires on both our cars. Yep. And I've come away very impressed with the levels of grip and how quiet they are. Good. The entire time. And so Peter says, do we think they will become our go-to non-snow
0: winter sports car tires? I hope. I'm pretty impressed right now. We're just starting. We're going to see how they're going to do. I mean, they've been really, really good for this road trip. Yep, indeed. Indeed. Barbara Peterson says, during epic road trips like this, should the rules for road snacks be, be more relaxed? <laughs> Isn't the, the trip experience worth a few? She said, not trash, but a few crumbs. Barbara, it depends on who you're talking to, Paul's still going to be much more strict than me. But I will say <laughs> this. I uh, The Z is a great example. I washed it, especially, and, and really, really cleaned the interior. I got the interior the cleanest it's been since I've owned the car before we left. Okay. Because I just wanted to, okay, I'm going to get a full layer of everything off. Okay. okay. Also, I had to get out the massive, super heavy duty nuclear uh, lint roller because my son, who is always covered in dog hair, oh. has gotten dog hair all over the car. I solved that too. It was clean. Wow. But then I just. But, the, but this, this is the benefit that I get myself, Barbara. Back to me stopping at gas stations and just buying stuff. When I finish with something, it goes in the floorboard of the passenger seat the wrappers, the water bottles, it's where it goes. Because the next time I stop, I clear it all out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that when I get back, the interior is going to be messy. It's going to be crummy. It's going to have oh, there's where that little balled up napkin was. That's going to happen, and that's the end of the road trip reset. I fully embrace it. I don't, but what I don't do is I don't. We don't collect clutter. It's not like all the water bottles I used between here and when I left home are still yes. in here when I stop it. It's just part of the process when I stop for gas. No dishes
1: rattling around in the no, car. No, we've had that, that. That 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 we've had that shooter,
0: but that's not happening. Nope. Ryan asked on Facebook about driving habits for turbocharged cars. He said he wants to maximize fuel economy without lugging the engine. He says he knows he needs to downshift when he accelerates. But when he's cruising, is the highest gear safe when you're using like quarter throttle at low RPM? Yes, absolutely. You've already learned that what you don't want to do is when the, the car is out of turbo, you don't want to ask it for a lot of power. Mm-hmm. You're, you are. You're lugging the engine. That's not good on it. So if you're prepared to downshift when you need to get power out of it, why not take advantage? If you're looking for gas mileage, why not put it in the highest gear and let it just trundle along outside of turbo? That is where the good gas mileage exists. You just you can't expect something it can't give you, which is instant power in your top gear. Michael W. says, do you hold the wheel at 9 and 3
1: always? Is it ever okay to be 10 and 2? seems like his steering wheel has the perfect notch at higher points we don 't know what car that is and what mm-hmm. the steering wheel is but sure if if it 's the right place and if you feel like, like it 's right for you, but ultimately nine and three is where paddle shift shifters are mm-hmm. but also you keep your hands out of the way of your instruments yep and that 's the biggest thing so you you know directly across from each other at nine and three gives you the best ability to React quickly Mm -hmm. and give you the counterweight on each side versus 10 and 2, your hands are a little high, and they might get tired at that position, and then you fall into bad habits. And that's why 9 and 3 still ultimately, I think, is a better way to go. But, like I said, if it works for you, then make it work.
0: There's also 12 and 0. There's 12 and 0, the (laughs) 12 o'clock offenders. 12 and hand on the cup. Yeah, 12 yeah, and yeah. hand on the shifter, 12 and I'm leaning on the center console for reasons unknown to me. Yeah, all of those things happen. Oh, and by the way, the thing that
1: bugs me the most Uh-oh. is when people turn turn the steering wheel and they put their hand underneath the top of the steering wheel mm-hmm. rim yep. and pull to one side like they're Quasimodo ringing a bell. Yep the side grip no the side grip
0: like you're cranking on it isn't that the weirdest thing ever bugs me because if you have to correct all of a sudden there's no correcting
1: your arm is either broken (laughs) or you have to let go and suddenly you're not steering the vehicle you're right so i don't understand that but it's a very i think uh you're you're not thinking about the steering through the corner you're you're just pulling down on the rope yeah and wanting the wheels to turn but like i said what if you need to correct? What if you need to, you know, actually maneuver the vehicle, you're not in the position to do it to do that properly.
0: That's a good point. Dartman 44 says something that leads into a second question here, but I'm going to start here. He says, if my Lotus and my Z car had a child, what car would that be? Oh. This is interesting because I think I actually have the answer. It would be lightweight and really involving like the Z, but it would be, oh, pardon me, lightweight and really involving like the Lotus, but it would mm-hmm. be road trip capable with a surprising amount of space, Okay, really good seats and visibility like the Z car. And I really do think the blending of those worlds is the GR86. Yeah, I was going to say. I wondered if you'd agree yeah. with me. It's yeah, right. absolutely. I uh, can I, see it. The front front engine, rear, rear drive architecture, I really think it's that. And it leads me to Bob. I'm not going to go through all of Bob's questions. But Bob is interested in the GR86. He's asking about comfort in the seats. Bob, I don't think the seats are any different than they were in the first gen. They certainly aren't tighter than they were in the first gen. So if you fit in the first gen and you said you do, I think you would be perfectly happy in the seats for the second gen.
1: You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping too. You don't
0: want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com All the cars, one search. There's a question I have to have you help me answer. Seth, writing it on Facebook, says he realizes that we obviously got our cars of the past before we revealed them. I got mine about two months prior. You got yours a year prior. He said, how many miles did we put on them between when we got them home and the reveal, and how was it to not drive them more? I was dying in the six weeks or so between (laughs) when I bought the car and when I finally revealed it. It was driving me nuts. And it gave me an utmost respect for Paul, who had been silent for a year.
1: Yeah. See, I got mine in Tacoma, Washington, Mm -hmm. and drove it home. So that was approximately 800 miles or so, 850, somewhere in there. (laughs) Almost exactly a year
0: from now. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I I drove it around you know a few times during the year, and then the engine came out of it, and I did a full top engine rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> and then the odometer and speedometer have started to work intermittently whenever mm-hmm. they feel like it. <laughs> so I don't exactly know all the mileage, and it's hard to calculate gas mileage when your odometer isn't working. It's a little it's tough. True. You kind of have to die to that.
0: Yes, you do. So, That's funny.
1: <laughs> otherwise, I it was weird because every car that you and I have and will have we want to share it with you guys we yeah, want to share it with sure. the audience yeah. because we feel like you're part of the ownership too you want to hear mm-hmm. about it what do we think yeah, about it yeah. we love doing that we treat every test drive and every car we drive for the TV show like our own cars mm-hmm. as if this were mine and i own it and i like it or mm-hmm. i don't you know mm-hmm. i made a mistake or whatever yeah and so it was really hard to not share because <laughs> I had talked about it on the podcast and you and I continually referenced when you had the Z and I had the 928 yep. and I knew the 928 was sitting in my garage. yeah, talked about, undiscussed, unannounced.
0: Yeah. And I ah that was hard. Especially because you happen because you, when you found the deal, you you jumped on the deal. It was the same weekend that your SLK got delivered yeah. to start the yeah. Cheap Sports Car Series, and we didn't want to distract from that, and you were good about, no, no, we need to be focused on those cars, but it left you in the lurch, man, and I still can't believe <laughs> you even not talk about it. That's really craziness. It was
1: rough. I got, yeah, every time I got in, i just think, ah, this is cool. Just like it. But now we get to share it with you. So thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. There's a lot to come on the cars of the past. We're just wrapping up this particular road trip with them. Yep. Yep. The cars have... Moved along quite nicely. We've observed some new noises on both cars. Yeah, there's new new we're things to wonder sure. about.
0: Absolutely, but we're like 1,600 miles in since we left home, which is a long distance in these cars. That's in less than a week. A ways. Yeah.
1: That's a ways. But good news, the engine is running great on the 928. <laughs> yeah, it it's is. just all the supporting characters, all the <laughs> the cast members that aren't pulling their weight right now. The like, star is pulling their weight and doing a great yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Starring the, this great engine that's been rebuilt. The quarterback is pulling the team right along.
1: <laughs> all the other players, like the brakes, the brakes are all grindy right now, and I haven't touched those, and the suspension, and the clutch master cylinder, and a few other things. <laughs> Nevertheless... It runs, and I'm thrilled. Guys, thank you for being with us. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everybody.